0: Uh, Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. Uh, No music, no highlights, no anything to open the show today because before we get into what was a bizarre and and, seriously bizarre uh, Sunday of week six action, loads of talking points to get into whether it's injuries, whether it's upsets, whether it's teams looking dominant that we didn't expect, all of the above. Uh, It's only right we begin today's podcast by addressing the sad passing of uh, a brilliant broadcaster, a wonderfully warm human being, a man who gave all the time in the world to any of us whenever we had any interaction with him, uh, the brilliant Kevin Cadle. Uh, Just from a personal perspective, Kevin was due to actually join us, big Kev, on the show on Sunday night on Talk Sport and he actually texted Mike Carlson on Sunday morning saying that he'd been in hospital with a viral infection that he didn't feel up to the show that week but asked if he could come in the following week and seemed in in overall good spirits for him to then uh, pass away with kidney failure that night and for us to get the message the next morning after we've you know just broadcasted 12 hours of live NFL and are coming off the adrenaline rush and the high of doing that was just genuinely absolutely devastating there's there's so many great stories come out about the great man since over the last couple of days, just from a personal perspective, when I first moved down to London in two thousand and twelve as an incredibly precocious uh, young man wanting to be a radio presenter, wanting to get to the kind of the top of the game, but knowing that NFL was part of what I wanted to do with that, I turned up at a few events and I managed to get big Kev's ear a couple of times. You badgered and him. Badgered him, basically. Yeah, yeah. you do what you uh, do it, best. But it wasn't badgering as far as he was concerned. He was always willing to give you the time of day. His warmth and generosity was just unsurpassed by by kind of anyone else in, in the in the scene at the moment. And it, it kind of, it really made me think this morning, Ollie Hunter's here as well, and, and Matt Sherry uh, joining us uh, on Skype from up in Dunn northeast. Um, it, it kind of really made me think and reflect afterwards about just how... Odd the NFL UK community is because when you really think about it, there is this small, close knit community of guys, whether it's ourselves on Talk Sport, the guys from the BBC like Simon Clancy, Mike White, uh, Fletch, uh, you know, all of those guys who I feel close to, whether it's the guys from Sky with Neil Reynolds and everyone else, or, mm-hmm. or if it's from all the, you know, the independent podcasts, the people at Gridiron Gentlemen, the people at NFL Girl UK, the people on the NFL UK Facebook group, all of that sort of stuff.
1: UK Packers, Arrowheads Abroad it's yeah, exactly, exactly,
0: guys exactly. And, and the kind of, the, the closeness that we've kind of got as this little community and it's really today feels like we've lost a, a big member of that community and whether it was spending time with him at events in London in the evenings when he'd come down and do some of the events that, that we did at the Hippodrome and some of the ones we did at the Sports Bar and and whether it was do, interacting with him personally, I mean I can only imagine for somebody like Neil Reynolds who worked with him week in, week out, side by side for mike carlson who used to work with him on you know claymore's games back in the in the late 80s early 90s these are guys who knew this man for 20 plus years and what they must be feeling today we're we are going to be speaking with neil reynolds coming up momentarily and getting the thoughts of of neil obviously he's a close friend of gridiron does a lot of work with us and and i know how devastated he's been today so we'll be hearing from neil as well but you know that It really it hit me really hard this morning and was a little bit bizarre because I was sleeping off last night and I got the text from Ollie telling me what had happened. And I kind of fell back asleep and then woke up a few hours later and genuinely thought it was just a horrible nightmare, genuinely thought it was just a bad dream. And I was like, I thought that my brain had associated the fact that Kev had been off the night before and not with us and added that into something else horrible lingering in my mind. And I'm like, i like, I had to check my phone, and then saw I had dozens of messages from people and, and social media and everything else. And the outpouring has been absolutely wonderful to see for Kev. But, uh, yeah, just if you guys, yeah, I don't know how much interaction, how well you knew Kev, how you felt about him as a, a broadcaster, but just horribly sad news today. Just uh,
2: horrific. I mean, I, I personally, my... Main interaction with him was a few years ago at the Super Bowl in New York, and, and it was that was the first time I'd met him in a forum of, of talking, face to face. It was me, Kev, Jeff Reinbold, Neil Reynolds, were just at a barbecue place in New York, and we were there all night. And he was so interested in gridiron. That was our first year, and and was just so warm. What a lovely, lovely man! Like just a gentleman, and and his wife is a lovely, lovely woman as well. And she was, She was the, to, to be honest, she was the main person I've thought of today because I can, I can only imagine what she's going through. And, and my thoughts have certainly been with her and that family all day and, and will be for a while yet because it's such a, a shock to the system. And actually, I was, I mean, I mean, he was kind of following me on yesterday after I'd been on with you guys at TalkSport. And I, I was looking forward to hearing him on there. We've not seen him as much. On TV in recent times, and I, and I, I, Will, me, and you spoke early last week about the fact that that he was coming on, and and I said that I, I remember saying to you that's a great get. He'll I was honestly, really I good. was
0: so excited on Sunday yeah. morning about the fact that we were just going to get to spend some time with him on Sunday evening. Yeah, and...
2: absolutely, and and we 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 actually had that conversation last week when we were discussing me coming on, and and it's just it's, news like this always does just knock you for six, and and ultimately i I felt it personally, but nowhere near as much as the guys who worked with him a lot i mean i've I've texted back and forth with Neil for a little while today and and he is absolutely heartbroken as you can imagine and and it's at that point you see the impact that he he had on so many lives and and I've learned more about him today i didn't i knew he was a a basketball coach. I didn't realise he was such a successful, the, outrageously successful. The, the greatest one. basketball
0: coach in British domestic basketball yeah, history, and it's absolutely. not even close. Eight coach of the year titles, twenty-seven titles across the years that he coached—like unbelievable.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's part of of a legacy now, and, and we should remember that. But also with the sadness that really we we should have got a lot more, a lot more time with him, and, it, and it's just a shame, really. Uh,
1: yeah, and it makes you think of some of the reasons why we didn't get so much time. And I, I don't think this is quite the right place to do it and the right time to do it. But from my point of view, I was so looking forward to working with him. I would have produced him and Mike and Nat upstairs on Talk Sport, Um And I'm gutted that I, I didn't get to meet him. And so I'm, I'm looking at this from, I know you two have met him, but I'm looking at this from a, a fan's point of view. And when I first started getting into, properly getting into the NFL four or five years ago, five or six years ago, he was the the face that you'd see, and what a what a beautiful face, like a really soft, warm face. Um, that lovely smile, his his big chubby cheeks, and um, you know some of the most endearing images or memories that I have uh, uh, with him and Cecil carving open a turkey. And I think that that's that will be the same for a lot of other people.
0: And I'll tell you what as well, Ed, like one of the hardest balancing acts when you're you're doing this kind of broadcasting when you're do, doing the NFL and and people will know this who who are kind of fans of of what we do and and fans of of what uh, you know is done on Sky etc. It's trying to get that balance between being informative, being friendly, being welcoming to new people, and and being able to make sure that the hardcore fans are serviced whilst the the new people who are coming into the sport are, are welcomed in, and there was nobody better at it than Kevin. And I understood why Sky in the last couple of years made the decision to try and change their change up what they were doing on TV. But he was a loss on TV. He was still working regularly. I mean, I saw him just a couple of months ago, and he was an absolute picture of health. Like I, I'm just it's genuinely stunning how kind of how sudden it is and i think the whole of the nfl uk community are mourning today and and look what we're going to do on the show we're going to speak with neil reynolds now uh in in the sake of honesty we're doing this conversation on tuesday not on monday night i'll be speaking with neil on tuesday so you'll hear this podcast around tuesday lunchtime but look we're gonna it's it's a really horrendous cliche to say but what Kev would want today is that after we've taken our time to mourn him and remember him, that we go on and we do a normal show and we try and still have as much fun and we still try and enjoy the NFL, the sport, a sport that he loved so much, uh, as much as we can. So...
2: And a man who brought fun to it more than any broadcaster ever has in, in the UK. I mean, we, we did discuss how we do this. And that was one of the things I thought, well, we, we we rightfully talk about it now, but ultimately this is a guy who literally his whole thing was bringing the fun to it. And that's what we try and do as much as we can on this show. And it's what hopefully we'll do later on in this show as a continuation of that.
1: And I think with uh, what he did, and he did it for so many years, perhaps without him, us three wouldn't be here talking now. Yeah. We wouldn't have had the show on Talk Sport 2 yesterday. And uh, we wouldn't be trying to further our careers i'm not saying that he is um you know the entire inspiration but without him certainly we wouldn't be where, where we are. I, I think so. on,
0: a, on a week where we've got a third of four sold out games coming up in London and the growth of the game over the last 15 years, uh, more than anything else, he's been a huge part of that. So we we'll are here from Neil Reynolds now and then we will get on with our normal show, slightly truncated because you don't want to hear us going on for about an hour and a half. So we'll have 40 odd minutes of, of football chat. But here is Sky Sports' Neil Reynolds uh, with his thoughts on uh, Kevin Cadle. Well I mean it's always a pleasure to be speaking with uh, Neil Reynolds but I just I really wish the circumstances were more positive ones. Uh, Neil a rough couple of days obviously Um, but uh, it's been a real pleasure I guess to see just how positive the outpouring has been for for Big Kev.
3: Yeah I mean just just such horrible horrible shocking news that uh, myself and Sean Gale received as we were coming out of the studio on on Sunday night, and yeah, just shocked and devastated, heartbroken. I mean, it's just been an awful couple of days. But the one, the one positive and the one thing that's kind of kept me going is, you know, I literally haven't got off Twitter. I haven't been able to get off Twitter. Uh, I mean, crikey! Just to see the the outpouring of love for the man, and it's it's been it's been fantastic and you know i recorded a video message for for kev which um you know played out on sky sports and on nfl uk and you know people sort of thanking me for doing that or it was you know it was a privilege to be able to do that but i i do appreciate you know so many people have sent messages not only sort of paying tribute to kev but sort of offering support to all those who kind of knew him loved him and and worked with him and uh yeah you know, I feel very fortunate to have been one of those people so yeah massive massive thank you to everyone who's taken the time to tweet because it's been the most ridiculous response i've I've ever seen in terms of numbers i mean I'm kind of every time I check my yeah i went I'll give you an example yesterday i was uh i had checked Twitter and then I went to make a cup of coffee and I came back and there were 311 notifications and I'd only made a cup of coffee. So, um, yeah, thank you. Huge. Thank you to everyone. And it's just a, It just shows, it's the mark of the man. It shows how much Kevin Cadle touched us all.
0: And and I think that's it, isn't it? There are very few people in life who no one can say anything negative about. And I know, you know, at a time like this, no one would say anything negative. But I think if you'd asked people a week ago, you know, while Kev was still with us, they would have been just as positive then. And all the personal stories we've been getting about the amount of warmth he had, the amount of time he always had for people, how he always just loved to talk about about the sport with people and and i think Mm. that's what i've really reflected on the last couple of days is you kind of don't really realize how special it is with nfl in the uk that there's this really close-knit community of of people that cover and and work within the sport and it doesn't matter if you work for sky or bbc or talk sport or you know an independent magazine or blog or whatever it might be Mm. everyone's got this really kind of positive relationship and and i think it's People are realizing just how much of an impact that that Kev had on the sport as
3: it's grown over the past kind of ten, fifteen years. And and I saw that right from the very first time I started working with Kev. And and I'd like to think that you know if I'm walking from the tailgate party into a stadium to cover an NFL game, it takes me a while. I, I will stop and try and meet the fans. And I, I you know we I think we all want to do that because ultimately we're just fans as well. We're just fans who are. Um, able to sit in a chair and, and talk about the sport that we love and so you know I learned that and saw that from Kev uh, uh, you know a very kind of my formative time as a as a sort of TV person and you know it's, it's the right thing to do we should all be kind of mixing together We I feel like the way everyone has responded uh, the last couple of days it shows this is an, an NFL family and you're right Kev was Uh, universally loved and one of the things that I'll remember and I'm so glad we did it uh, because uh, you don't want all of that love to just come when somebody's gone you know and I'm so glad that we took Kev on our NFL UK live tours last January so we took Kev to the the nights that we did in Cardiff and Southampton and we had Jay there we had um, you know we had starting players from around the NFL and the man who got the biggest cheer. I mean, it was a standing ovation. <laughs> it was a standing ovation for Kevin Cador. And, you know, he walked onto stage and uh, in Cardiff and the place erupted and I just hugged him and I wouldn't let go of him. And I was, and the whole audience was just chanting, bring back Kev. And he kind of turned and he, you know, he tried to sort of all shucks it and play it down. But I'm glad he had that kind of moment, uh, you know, outside of the TV studio. But, you know, to, to for everyone to sort of show him how much he meant to them then and so you know that's a that's a thing i've been looking back on the last couple of days um, you know you, i'm really glad we got to do that for a couple of nights on tour in january
0: i think people will always remember thanksgiving and will always remember him on the sky coverage with you guys and just how much fun he made it and how welcoming he made it for everyone that was that was Watching it, but what are kind of your memories from that time when you guys first started on Sky, going right through? Because it it looked like you guys were having a whale of a time. I have to say,
3: we were, and that's the, the trouble. Sometimes we were, we were, we would, we were. I mean, you can YouTube some kind of Kev's finer moments. On there's bits where there was one time when he came back from a, we came back from a break and. Yeah, he thought he was reading the auto cue, and he says blah blah blah, and you can hear the producer screaming in his ear, "We're live." The reason he didn't know we were live is because we'd laughed and joked all the way through the break, and we kind of forgot we were on a break. We were messing around and laughing about Madonna at the Super Bowl, and then Kev forgot to pick his microphone back up, and it was just that was just Kevin. That we went back to the game at the Super Bowl, and we're just giggling. We, you know, some some broadcasters would be distraught for Kev life was too short for all of that and we got back to the hotel that night and I think our producer was kind of you know had his head buried at one end of the bar and was sitting there and sort of looking oh my god I can't believe that happened and me and Kev at, the, at the other end of the bar and drinking a slight laugh he goes look at him down there. I mean and you know he wasn't beating himself up it was just life was too short to worry about that stuff. And yeah, I've learned that from Kev as well. You know, if I stumble over a few words or a couple of weeks ago, some music played uh, by mistake into our studio while Sean was talking. And uh, we just laughed about it. I mean, what are you going to do? You're not going to be like, I don't know. You can be too, you can take yourself too seriously. I learned not to do that with, with Kev, I think now. And, um, just a great I remember, yeah, you, know, you know Kev, he always said, Let's get back to the ball game. We've got wow. ourselves a ball game. You know, it was never just a game, it was always a ball game. Um, and he got wind of the fact that um, you know, there was university students around the country that were playing drinking games associated with what Kev said. And and they took a <laughs> shot of drinking every time Kev said ball game. So there was one game we did and he was like he was he must have said ball game about 15 times in an hour. I mean, it was overkill. He was really going for it. And he kind of turned to me, he winked, and he went, those boys are going to be wasted tonight. (laughs) (laughs) That is absolutely superb. Uh,
0: And I think people are really looking forward to the opportunity this weekend at at Twickenham as well, NFL UK confirming that there's going to be a chance to, to remember Kev. I think it's really poignant that this week when we're seeing the third of four sold out games in a season and just that continued growth that people are going to get a chance to remember one of the the kind of giants of the game in this country so Mm. I, i don't know if you know anything about what's going to be happening sunday but i think it'll be really really joyous whatever does happen and i think people are really looking forward to getting that opportunity to to share that together
3: yeah i sat with alistair kirkwood from NFL UK yesterday who, you know, for Alistair, it was a no-brainer. We're going to we're gonna remember Kev. And we're going to... I'm not sure of the exact timings of when it will be, but both myself and Alistair said, you know, for us, it feels like you know, Kev was a, a minute's applause man, not a minute's oh, yeah. silence man. I don't know what you... You know, so I think... Um, I think... I don't know the timing of when that will be, but that is where I think it's going to be going. And I'm sure Twickenham will rise as one and... Yeah, pay tribute to a man who's who's helped put a lot of those bums in those seats I'm sure. Absolutely,
0: look Neil, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us and I know obviously it's a difficult time at the moment but I hope you're taking as much pleasure as, as the rest of us in hearing everyone's really positive stories and hearing everyone's uh, you know outpouring of love and, and it's Yeah, even hearing from people who don't even follow the sport over the last couple of days about that they had met Kev at this event or seen him in this place. And uh, there was was one person who got in touch with me on Twitter who um, I I worked with at LBC who said she met Kev on a train in Italy randomly, uh, didn't know who he was or what he did, (laughs) and ended up chatting to him for four hours. Uh, So, yeah, and ended up becoming, you know. Yeah, you know, very good friends with him so it's amazing that it's uh he reached people in that way and and you know I, I hope you can take a couple of days i know it's going to be an incredibly busy week for you but to just remember and, and remember what a great guy he was
3: yeah i think that's uh you know as i as i sort of said earlier a huge thank you to everyone who's who's put messages on twitter because at the moment i'm kind of clinging to twitter and uh clinging to those stories that uh, i've just been able to tell because uh the rest of it's a dark and depressing place when you haven't got that. So, it's um, yeah, big thanks to everyone out there.
0: Absolutely, no problem. Thank you so much for your time, Neil. And, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see you at the weekend. Always oh, a
3: pleasure, Will. Thanks, mate.
0: Hello and welcome to The Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips getting you in the game thank you again to neil reynolds you've heard our thoughts on the late great kevin cadle but kev would want us to do the show as usual so coming up we're going to review a bizarre week six in the nfl matt sherry and ollie hunter are with me and we're live on periscope for the first time ever this is the gridiron show Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips getting you in the game. It's really off-putting because I'm watching us on the live stream on Periscope and it's slightly behind where we are so I'm seeing just how horrendous our dancing looked on camera uh, about 30 seconds after it actually happened. Uh, This is the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips getting you in the game. We're just a few weeks away from going on our massive trip out to uh, the southern states of America, the Deep South Tour and and absolutely can't wait but we're going to try and do some live podcasts while we're there, do some podcasts with the guys who are out on tour with us as well. Uh, And uh, so we just thought we'd do a little test run. So we're live on Periscope. There are currently 31 people watching, which is uh, much more than I expected. So you can send your questions in if you're on Periscope throughout the show as we discuss week six in the NFL. And and just to verify again, we've already opened the show with a a 20-minute chat about Kevin Cagle, and we've spoken to Neil Reynolds as well. So whilst we're all devastated about the news this morning about such a warm and lovely man, we are going to move on and talk about the week six action in the nfl and uh uh, ollie uh, i think there's probably only one place for us to start uh, Uh. with the action on sunday afternoon because for the neutral for the nfl fan out there for those of us hoping for a brady rogers super bowl that's all gone out of the
1: window hasn't it i mean who was hoping for a brady back in the super bowl I mean, I would
0: love really? to see... I'd love to have seen a Brady-Rodgers Super Bowl in my lifetime. Oh, I suppose, I suppose you're right.
1: Okay, I suppose you're right. Yeah, so Rogers goes down, broken collarbone, late, late, late hit from Anthony Barr. I don't care what anyone else says. Don't care if you accuse me of being a, a homer, a Green Bay Packers homer. No, it was a late hit. It wasn't a violent hit. It wasn't a dirty hit, but it was a late hit. It was an unnecessary hit. And that's the thing that wrangles most of all. Because... It didn't need to be done. It wasn't called. And um, Green Bay never really recovered. I think they were shell-shocked. Managed to get a touchdown. Um, they had one call back from the Ty Montgomery uh, catch and fall into the end zone where he fumbled it and didn't complete the catch. And perhaps one one day you could see those going your way and another day you couldn't. But ultimately, Brett Hundley comes in, third-year guy. And... Um, He's not Aaron Rodgers. That's the best thing you can say about it. He's just not Aaron Rodgers. And the Vikings go to 4-2, and two, the Packers drop
0: to 4-2, 23-10 the winners in Minnesota and Aaron Rodgers likely missing for the season. I mean you don't get a tweet coming out from the Green Bay Packers saying could miss the year if he's not going to be most likely out for the year. Uh, it's fascinating to me. I, often this happens we do the live broadcast on a Sunday night and then I come away from it and I really start to think about it. Matt Sherry and I think the the Vikings we know Teddy Bridgewater's back in practice this week likely he'll be available you know around week 10 time Sam Bradford hopefully after that setback will be back and available soon so they're going to have a choice of quarterbacks have to be the favorites in the NFC North at this point but You know, you bring in Brett Hundley, you give him two years there with the offence, and there's been a lot of talk about Romo, about Kaepernick. Surely this is the point of having someone like Brett Brett Hundley there learning the offence, and you've got to trust him to try and get you through the next 10 games and get you out with a winning record.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the Packers have probably the most proven track record in the NFL of, of the work that they do with quarterbacks, and they've reaped the benefits of that. I mean, I think I saw a stat that, the next game will be the only the 10th game in about the last 25 years where they haven't had Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Now, that is a testament to the job they have always done with quarterbacks. And we're, we're seeing that. I think we'll say that again. Brett Hundley has always looked really good in pre-season. I said this to you guys last night straight away on the broadcast. And I, I think he has a chance to, to be a, a good quarterback based on the, the small sample size we've seen. I'm kind of throwing out what happened yesterday because you could not ask to be put in a worse situation in that in that building, which is becoming one of the the best home field advantages in the NFL, and against that defense, I mean it was a tough, tough matchup. Yeah. So I, I think there's I think there's potential in Brett Hundley, and if I'm looking through at it through a positive lens from the Packers' point of view, my guess would be if if they reach the playoffs that Rodgers might be in play to come back. I mean. That's completely thrown darts at the wall, but you would think that there might be an option. So if if Hundley can get them there and he plays well, then you potentially have Aaron Rodgers back in the playoffs and a trade chip. So that's how I'd be looking at it if I was a Packers fan. It's the optimistic view when we see if that happens.
1: And I don't think you can look at anything from the Green Bay side of the ball Um, when it comes to defence, that rush defence, which wasn't any good at all. Um, When it comes to offence, not much really got going in any way because it is such a shock and it would have been such a shock to the entire organization to see number 12 go out so put it away start again next week against the New Orleans Saints I'm going to say I, I, I think without 12 they're done that's as, as simple as that
0: I'm sorry to be that negative about it and to try and be that forward about it and I'm really sorry Ollie but I think the Vikings are too strong they win the NFC North in an NFC where we've got strength throughout the conference uh, in various places I just think there are too many teams who will come out with a record I, I think about Washington I think about you know the Rams and the Seahawks and now the Cardinals to 500 although I'd be surprised if they pull anything out you've got the lions still in amongst the mix you've got the saints certainly with a plus 500 record atlanta the carolina we all like the books before the season even though they're really struggling and i think uh, alan asked us how many to win the nfc north on on there and, and i think you, the vikings probably do it with 10 games this year don't think it needs to be above that but i think the vikings can win 12 games suddenly they're looking at home field advantage for the first round, second round even of the playoffs and and that becomes absolutely massive. So and you
1: have to say that this is the best chance in years for a team to be able to go and play the Super Bowl in their home stadium. It it really feels it, that without way.
2: Without a doubt. It really is. I, I really I mean I fancied the Vikings all yeah, but
1: Well you've lucked we into get... this though now.
2: <laughs> I mean I, I don't think I, I, I've looked <laughs>
1: You have lucked into (laughs) it. You've lucked into it. It's Rodgers all the way because he was playing outstanding football.
2: I mean, I haven't looked... What I wanted was the Brady-Rodgers Super Bowl. I've said that a few times. But I I think the Vikings have a a really great chance. The the one caveat to everything I said earlier on the Packers is is I don't think their defence and running game is good enough to carry them in the way that it'll need to with a a guy starting a quarterback for the first time. So... That's why I think they're done. I don't necessarily think it's just because Rodgers is out. I think it's they've done a bad job building the rest of the team around him. Everybody knows that it's the reason they've only won one Super Bowl, and I, and I think that ultimately hurts them again in this spot.
0: Uh, Where uh, we need to get to Monday Night Football at some point, but to be quite honest with you, I'm quite happy to leave that to later in the show. In that AFC Is South there game dumpster tonight? fire, uh, there, <laughs> Colts Titans both sat at two and three. We will get to that in a little while as well. Let's let's start. Let's go through the games kind of chronologically from the early games. And I think beyond Green Bay, the big story that maybe by Aaron Rodgers going down, that's been buried a little bit, the Miami Dolphins, thanks to two not one, but two touchdowns from Jay Cutler, their fourth and fifth offensive touchdowns of the season for the Miami Dolphins, go into Atlanta, become the second AFC underdogs, AFC East underdogs to go into Atlanta and win. And the Falcons, Matt Sherry, I think should start to be a little bit concerned about their performances this season.
2: Yeah, it becomes make or break now on Sunday. They go to New England on Sunday in in that Super Bowl rematch against an eminently beatable period, team at the moment, but I mean, it, when you actually break down the Falcons' season now, outside of that game against Green Bay, you could say that they've been fairly unimpressive throughout. I mean, they nearly lost to Chicago in week one. They basically did lose against Detroit, but the, the call on the one-yard line went against the Lions. They obviously have now got the, the defeat to the Dolphins. And, uh, so that Packers game, for me, it was more the caveat than than anything else. I mean, that was the the outlier that, that just... It was the real good performance that showed what the Falcons were last year. We've not seen that the rest of the year. And, and it caught up with them yesterday. And it caught up with them in a game that they were leading, I think, 17-0 at halftime. Yeah. And given what happened in the Super Bowl, that is a wound to, to have been opened up and Either the best or worst possible time. because Considering
0: Sunday night football this week, they've got to go to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. If you're an Atlanta Falcon this week, you're going to be sick about the conversations of uh, of comebacks and dropping leads because that's all anyone's going to want to talk to them about this week.
2: Exactly. I mean, and it goes either way, doesn't it, on Sunday. Either they ultimately go out and lose that game in a 3-3 three and, three, and then you are starting to wonder if they even make the playoffs given the quality of the division that they're in. Or alternatively, if they go and put in a real performance and and get a statement win, then maybe they turn the season around and maybe they can start arresting some of the demons from that Super Bowl. But there's definitely been a Super Bowl hangover. I think we've seen that in in virtually every game. And it's just whether that coach and staff can galvanise them and pull it round
0: now the 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 kind of positive coming out of it from a dolphins perspective not just the fact that they're suddenly uh, they're suddenly looking like a, a half decent football team based on record alone 3 and 2 they sit just a game behind the patriots at this point and i think they would have taken being a, 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 you know 3 and 2 at 5 games through the season after the way their season began but defensively the dolphins look strong they got jji going in the run game you know there's some positivity here that makes uh, um, simon Clancy's proclamations that they're suddenly in the scam for Sam look even more ludicrous than they already did.
2: It's just the, the Simon Clancy riding the highs and lows. I have no doubt he now thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl. There's no, <laughs> there's no middle ground. As much as we love
1: him, I'll tell you what though. Looking forward to those games against the Patriots, I, and and never as a, a neutral looked forward to the Patriots really playing anyone. But uh, <laughs> watching now seeing them play against the Dolphins who may look a little bit spicy. Um yeah, looking for finally looking forward to to one that could be a little bit more competitive given that the, the Patriots are on a bit of the down download the downside uh, uh, by,
0: by the it, way the it, it, terrible talk sport internet has completely ruined our attempt to periscope this podcast but we got a few a good 10 plus minutes of it and it looked like it would work quite well i'll watch it back later see what the quality is like but let us know give us your feedback at gridiron on twitter and let us know what you think and and how it looked because we'll look to do some interesting and some fun stuff while we're out in the states if it worked particularly as ollie gets free uh, free data when he's on his on his cheeky oh, plan. Yeah, i
1: need to sort that out actually
0: yeah i do good man yeah. good man I will we're just basically uh, but, but. stealing all his data um, sorry yeah Sherry I, I kind of we. I, I kind of want to move the conversation on through this into the Patriots loss to the uh, win to the Jets should have been a loss win over the Jets um, because you're talking about the Dolphins Patriots games and the Patriots now up to four and two a lot of talk about it being the game that that got them healthy. But realistically, beating the Jets by a touchdown and getting a bit of luck with the with the decisions as well. A lot of luck. I, 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 there's, you know, I'm not so convinced this was a get healthy game.
2: No, it wasn't. I mean, absolutely not. I mean, the only thing that I, I could possibly say is that the defence actually played well on first and second down throughout the game. and And largely very well on third down as well. Because... They did force a lot of three and outs, but the bad drives were so bad in terms of giving up third and tens, third and nines against Josh McCowan. So it wasn't a get healthy game at all. It was a game that concerned me further that maybe I have I, kind of gone through all this in the back of my mind thinking, they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out. But are they going to figure it out? Because it gets to the point where they need to do it at some point. I mean, this, we're now six weeks into the season and, and ultimately... I I'm just mystified by a lot of it because I think it's a I think it's a very talented defense. I don't think it's 2010 where they were fielding offensive players on defense and that that is in both senses of that word. I mean, it was this is a talented group, but it, are they going to figure it out? And and part of me does wonder how much of this is because they went out and paid Stefan Gilmore 13 million dollars a year at a time when they're not going to pay Malcolm Butler who won them a Super Bowl, and and I just wonder whether Bill Belichick has slightly lost the locker room a little bit with that kind of move. I mean, that's all conjecture, but if you're trying to point out the reasons for this, that could be it. Maybe the team aren't buying in as much as usual.
0: Mal it was a game where you were losing, where you were missing two of your three starting corners, which is frustrating, but Malcolm Butler had one of those real up and down games. There was at least one, it was the um, uh, curse completion over his head that led to the curly touchdown on the next throw where he really got completely caught out. But let's, let's talk about that decision because it is the big talking point from this game from the weekend. Um, look, I'll put it to you simply as this. I think that the idea that there was enough evidence to clearly overturn that, I don't think is right. And I get that there's this ticky-tacky answer that's come out today where they've really broken it down to the minutiae. But do you know what? If that's the answer, then the question is wrong because... We've seen it twice in the last two weeks where a ball fumbled against a pylon uh, has turned out to be a touchback and a loss of possession to the other team. Anywhere else on the field, if you accidentally fumble the ball out of play, you retain possession at the point that the ball went out of play. It's absolutely ridiculous that that's not true down in the end zone. Now, I don't know whether you turn around and you say, "Okay, well to avoid people from doing it on purpose, we say if you fumble it into the pylon, then you've got to start back at the 20, but you get possession, like a reverse touchback. Or do you say, all right, well, the ball was going out of possession at the one, so let's give it to them at the one. I don't know how you figure that situation out, but there's got to be something better than handing the ball back to the other team in that situation.
2: Yeah, I mean, on the decision itself, I'm of the view personally that, ultimately, I think you probably fumbled it, but there is absolutely no way that there was enough evidence to overturn the decision. And that's the issue. It's a process issue. I mean, and and I think you're right as well that there, there probably is a better solution. And I mean, that solution, I think there has to be a punishment for the fumble. So I like the idea of moving them back to the 10-yard line or even the 5-yard line. But yeah, I think that the whole rule needs looking at. But the problem overall is, and, and moving to this centralised replay system was kind of meant to stop this, is it so inconsistent in the league? Decisions are inconsistent, and and they're inconsistent because they don't seem to be able to grasp that there has to be irrefutable evidence. There's no. I I personally think he probably fumbled, but I could also look at the video and say, well, actually, he just moved the ball from his right hand to his left hand, going down, and he had control all the time. So if I can do that, then it's not irrefutable. So there's no way it should have been overturned.
1: I mean, that's brilliantly. Explained. (laughs) Who would have thought? Um... (laughs) Are you suggesting suggesting that you don't expect Matt Sherry to be good at his job? Well, no, no. Actually, I'm I'm suggesting that no one's really explained it as eloquently in a northern accent as... Matt Sherry has.
0: (laughs) No one's ever said anything as eloquent in a northern accent as what Matt Sherry just did. So well done, mate. You've done a brilliant job. Uh, Matt, just out of interest, and I can cut this out if we need to. I know we can't give the details of what we're doing at a certain American holiday coming up. But can we tell people that we're thinking about doing something and to maybe save the day? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how firmed up this thing is. What is this? Well, basically, this is one for the people who maybe complain that all of the NFL events we do tend to be down in London, because right. we're we're heading up north for Thanksgiving. We can't tell you, I don't think, yet.
2: We, Matt, is we it signed off? It, it's not signed off yet, but Fine. we're hoping to be in the north. Well, are we
0: jinxing the... it by just doing this? No, that's nonsense. We're heading to the northwest. Well, you don't believe in jinxing? We're doing something for Thanksgiving. It's going to be awesome. We'll get you all the information as it comes. Mm. But it does involve a live event. It does involve great food. It involves three great games of football and that is enough. So we're coming to the northwest for Thanksgiving and that's just a little tease for you for next month we'll be All able to being announce well. it soon. All being well indeed. All I'm right. very excited about it. Uh, so that's left things in the AFC East with the Patriots topping it at 4 and 2, 3 and 2 the Jets as we say and, and the Bills at 3 and 2 as well. Shall we talk about one of the wildest and most ridiculous games I can remember in recent history?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: The Detroit Lions Thirty-eight. The New Orleans Saints. Fifty-two. The Saints had a forty-five to ten lead at one point in this game. The Lions fought it all the way back to within a touchdown, including two defensive touchdowns of their own. And then Matt Stafford manages to get tipped and picked off by Cameron Jordan, who was a wrecking machine for the entire day for New Orleans to end up losing by two touchdowns. But literally, this game, I had the. You heard maybe in the. We did play the highlights package in because I'm putting this together later. You'll have heard in the highlights package that literally the co commentator was just going weird. Yeah. Weird. I, can't, I just weird. I don't know how to. It got what? weird. He, he really couldn't figure out a way to, to look at this game. But what kind of stuns me about this game is that we had a total of 90 points. And yet, actually, I thought you had two surprisingly credible defensive performances.
2: <laughs> that is true, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> the funny part about that whole thing is when you set that up there when you said we're going to talk about this remarkable game, I thought to myself, well, I'll come up with a game that is unremarkable as a bit of a daft gag. And then I've looked down the schedule yesterday and the most unremarkable game I can find is Houston 33, Cleveland 17, where we saw the continuation of Deshaun Watson and this amazing rookie season. And that sums up how ludicrously good a day it was yesterday for just an amazing day of NFL action and on a this crap game slate just... of
1: games as well. looking at it, everyone was like, "Oh God, this <laughs> is going to be this is bleak. What a bleak <laughs> weekend. And then results get turned out, turned up like fifty two thirty eight hashtag, I called it. But you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> sorry, I... you you didn't call <laughs> well 58. done well done to people who voted with the over.
0: Uh, the, the The thing is for the saints at this point, up to three and two, they have, I think, so they lost to the Patriots at home, right, but they've already won on the road at the Panthers. I think if they're going to make the playoffs, they need to win all of their remaining home games. But that's very doable in the in the old uh, Superdome. And... Actually, they've got pretty winnable games at home. The Falcons, we hope, will build up ahead of steam by then. They go to the Packers this coming weekend, which could be a winnable game with Brett Hundley under centre. And they're suddenly ridiculously, amazingly, the favourites in Lambeau Field. And and the Saints could be on a a somewhat surprising Super Bowl run. Uh, Not Super Bowl run, but maybe playoff run. Maybe I'm getting a little over the top with that. What was particularly stark, we'll get on to talking about Adrian Peterson's and the three wise men in the desert, their performance for the Cardinals this week. But the Saints, once you took Peterson out of that running game and it became focused on Ingram and it became focused on Kamara and they ran the game properly, they ran the ball brilliantly and they looked like a good,
1: good. just looked like a good team. That's it. There's no confusion back there anymore. We know what every person's going to be doing. They got the elephant out of the room, out of the building, and now, yeah, you're right. They do look like a team. And with the wide receivers, with the tight end, and with uh, Drew Brees, who, OK, didn't have the best day, but he'll have he'll have better days. And that's promising for the Saints.
2: When, when in the last four years, or, or maybe longer, have the Saints been able to win a game against a good team, or at least a decent team that the Lions now look like, when Drew Brees didn't have a good day? For me, that is the ultimate sign. Of progress,
0: and Drew Brees initially had a good day, but it's yeah. it, once at forty-five ten. I don't know whether it was a, a foot off the gas thing or what actually happened, but they gave up the two uh, the two turnovers, which were turned. The, 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 the stat lines for the quarterbacks are remarkable. Matt Stafford, three hundred twelve yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Truebreeze, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Like, just a little bit of a ridiculous day all round. I'd like both of these teams. A bizarre game of football, but I'm not counting out either of them from making a playoff run at this point this year. Um, it got weird. It got weird. It did get weird. Right, let's, let's rattle through the remainder of the, the six o'clock kickoffs. Uh, the, uh, what else did we have? So, I mean, you have mentioned Texans-Browns. I think, really, the only massive talking point from that is Deshaun Watson. Another three touchdowns. A ridiculous
1: season for him. Is he nailed on Offensive Rookie of the Year now? Okay, think... uh, well,
2: no, because you've got Kareem Hunt, haven't you? As well, I mean, it's, it's... oh,
1: great shout! Forgot about and that. Leonard Fournette's fella. been pretty incredible. Yeah,
2: Fournette's been ludicrous. I mean, it's like a,
1: an old school Heisman battle. <laughs>
2: He's
0: like an old school <laughs> Heisman battle. I love that. Um, so the Texans ran out 33-17 winners over the Browns. The Browns now are one of only two winless teams in the NFL. Why a little is that, tease Will? for later on. Yeah, well, it's not, because the, it's, continues. it's not because of the San Francisco 49ers. The perfect season continues. The 49ers become the first team in NFL history to lose five consecutive games by a field goal or less as they go down 26-24 to Washington. They bench their starting quarterback, bringing in CJ Bethard, who has two really good drives under centre, the third round rookie. I'll
1: hoist you on your Bethard. Uh,
0: nice, I really like that. Remember that Claire. one. Let's get some pirate noises going. I actually, I, I I'm did trying re- to
1: figure out how that would be a fantasy team name. Uh, uh, I, I can't.
0: I, I did know. remember this week to try and bring some of the uh, some of the little noises in. So uh, we, I mean, we can have Ollie giving a little bit of. No, we can't because he's muted my my noises.
2: Dism-
0: Oh, I've ruined it. I've done magic early. Oh, you've gone too early. (laughs) Classic classic Willie. Oh, I just wanted to play this one. This is great banter. Uh, I've really upset myself by uh, shooting my load on that. Oh, come on. It's a family show. This is the most upsetting thing. Like, from a 49ers perspective, if you're the fan who, unlike me, considers this the perfect season, if you don't, if you're getting frustrated with these tight losses, this stat was absolutely stunning from Sunday night. The San Francisco 49ers have a negative point differential of minus 33.
1: Not only is that not anywhere near whoa, whoa, the... Whoa, you've you've double negative then. Does that mean they've got a positive... Do... No, right. So they've got a negative 33 point <laughs> differential. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that would be amazing if they had a losing record. How could,
2: a... It, how could it be positive when they've lost <laughs> every
1: game? <I> <laughs> you yeah. double negative. Negative right. it. A negative point differential of 33 or a point differential of minus 33 either of those things works but you can't have a negative points differential of minus 33 because that's plus 33 Matt Sherry before
0: I do this have you seen this stat already on Twitter or anywhere I haven't right so let me just ask you in the history in the Super Bowl era of teams that have started the season 0 and 6 the 49ers have the best ever point differential at minus 33 what do you think is the second-best point differential for an 0-6 team? Oh, I've seen this.
2: Um I'm trying to think of... The only teams I can think of who were viable and, and lost a lot of games early was either the Vikings or the Steelers before they played at Wembley. So I would guess the Vikings.
0: Yeah, but can you, can you just forget who the team is. Who? What do you think the point differential is for the second-best ever? Oh, minus 120. Well, no, it's better than that. It's minus 80. But the 49ers have the best ever at minus 33, and the (laughs) second best ever is minus 80. (laughs) That's how ridiculous this season's (laughs) been.
2: I I mean, I'm I'm becoming the king of conspiracy theories in this game because when Kirk Cousins was briefly stinging it up, I did suggest that maybe he was doing it because he was scared that San Francisco go on 16. They choose a quarterback in the draft rather than signing him. But... I think this perfect season thing is, is reaching the higher echelons of that San Francisco organisation because anybody who watched, basically, they were driving for a field goal to win the game, and as soon as they got to the 50 yard line, the new quarterback just started throwing the ball out of bounds and missing guys by a mile. And I'm almost. <laughs>
0: Who'd 10, had a really good game up until that point? He'd
2: great to that point, and then it was like, <laughs> oh, you're at the 50 yard line now, just, just throw a couple out of bounds, and lo and behold, what happened?
0: Uh, just There was a great photo tweeted out by the 49ers of uh, Kirk Cousins and CJ Bathard meeting at the uh, at the halfway line. And they tweeted out with game recognises game. And I just quote tweeted, it with just like, keep my seat warm, kid, or something <laughs> like that. Because that's essentially <laughs> well, I'm what that
2: to was. You up, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> so if this
1: is a conspiracy theory, who's going to be hiring Mark Garagos then?
0: Oh, that's a great question. But I don't <laughs> know. You know. I don't know.
1: Either. And, and uh, suing someone about it. I don't know. I don't know, mate. I Come just on. don't know. All right, we haven't enough. talked about the Colin Kaepernick, have we? Yeah, well, maybe it's
0: one for the off-season. The legal situation. Maybe we'll get into that on Thursday. Well, a we bit do discuss
2: legal situations too often. Yeah, we really do. Just and... stick to the what, football. what we said on TalkSport was, how, how do you prove it? That's my only question. Yeah, and what's going so to be said be about
0: answer. what Colin Kaepernick has decided to do here is that he's done it just as maybe a job's opening up in Green Bay, which could shoot him in the foot a little bit. He has chosen the lawyer who represented oh, yeah. Chris Brown when he beat up Rihanna. Terrible human being. Who represented... There was another really famous case that he represented. that. Oh, was represented it? Michael Jackson in the child molestation cases. Uh, Got to be is,
1: careful about what you say about that.
0: Yeah, were, the case was still... No, that no, no was what, what I mean is, was.
1: you don't want to upset people because there, there are two sets of people. Those that believe he did it and those that haven't. And those that believe that he is completely innocent of anything, despite the big payoffs, um, they get really angry about it.
0: Right, this is not a conspiracy theory podcast. My (laughs) only point was that Colin Kaepernick (laughs) has made a terrible PR decision in terms of who he's decided to appoint. We did to get Olly doing
2: his (laughs) voice, do
0: we? Uh, Right, uh, one more game, two more games from the six o'clock slate. Uh, The Bears, the Bears! Get a second win of the season, twenty-seven, twenty-four over the Ravens, even though they desperately tried to throw this game away. I mean, oh, I t-
2: absolutely. I think I think they're right in there as well, trying <laughs> to win games. Like if it wasn't for Jordan Howard being so determined in overtime of the games, he they looks would also. Great. He's class, isn't he, John? Oh, God. One? He looks great. I, I think I mentioned. I traded him away for Jarvis Landry in You're week comp- two. What like, are you oh, doing? Uh, uh, what?
1: <laughs> it was.
2: It was such an. I picked Tariq Corn up and i become convinced of what was happening. <laughs> Who did you trade him to? <laughs> Don't uh, Will Gavin. No, not Will Gavin. That's Although what... I'm starting to question whether he's some kind of. Backseat manager of this team, given how
0: excited he seems to be. Oh, the, the snorts come out. This is incredible. I mean, uh, it's just really funny.
1: Why would you trade him away for Jarvis Landry, who's got Jay Cutler throwing to him? I know he's Jay's favourite uh, re- wide receiver. but Can I just say, What are you uh, nailed, doing?
2: Nailed- Neil Dutton advised me to do it.
1: Never do
0: what Neil Dutton says. Never do what Neil Dutton says, apart from starting Austin Severin Jenkins, who got me one and a ghost touchdown this weekend.
1: Uh, Neil Dutton said when um, the day before, Stefan Diggs had that massive game a couple of weeks ago. Oh, don't start digs. Diggs is rubbish when it when uh, Bradford's not playing. Don't forget to tune into Thursday's podcast for Fantasy Darlings with fantasy Neil what? Dutton. <laughs> Fancy
0: what? <laughs> uh, the fantasy darlings. Uh The the stark reality from this game is that Baltimore, the offence went awry again. They had to rely on that big kick return in order to get them back into the game. The Chicago Bears, with their rookie quarterback under centre, who looked really good against the Vikings and lost, didn't look very good in this game overall, was only allowed to throw the ball 17 times while they rushed the ball 54 times in total. I think 36 of those with Jordan Howard. Absolutely crazy. Um, uh, Yeah, this is... I Kind of a little bit like the Jags performance of the week before. It's what they wanted to be. I believe in Mitchell Jabiski more than I do Blake Bortles at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I, I still don't believe in the Ravens particularly. They're having as up and down season as those Jacksonville Jaguars. And let's talk about that game. The Rams... Special teams wins the day as they go 4-2 and two to top the NFC West, whilst the Jacksonville Jaguars can't buy a back-to-back wins for love nor money and fall to 3-3 three and three they still with a 27-17
1: loss. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they still can't win in Jacksonville. i tell mean... you a place they can win every time. <laughs> the <player they laughs> where,
1: where is that? Oh, I, I don't Eww. know. I, I, do you know where um, J.H.I. was born as well? No, no, idea, no It's exactly the same stat that everyone rolls out. I apologise for bringing it up. Sorry, uh, Will Gavin, I cut you off. How did they win? It's absolutely fine. So the Rams, uh, Farrah Cooper <laughs> returned to kick off
0: 103 yards to start the game, Leonard Fournette. Then went, anything you can do, I can do. Not quite as well with a 75-yard touchdown run.
2: Uh, can I just say on Fournette, right? And we saw this in college. His acceleration on that touchdown run is one of the most ridiculous things that you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. Just the way he just bent between those two defenders, the way once he got his head of stable was. Insanity. He is
0: special. He's very special. But you had a Greg Zerline 56-yarder. You had uh, Malcolm Brown blocking a punt for an eight-yard return for a touchdown. It, it, this all came down to the special teams. While Jason Myers missed field goals, left, right, and center, there were
2: some bad. Oh, clock. they were nasty bad field goals.
0: There was some. Well. There was a couple of blocks, and there was a blocked. Um, there were. There was some bad clock management as well from Sean McVeigh late on, which nearly allowed the Jags back into it. But again, they can't hit field goals, so it didn't really matter in the end but yep the roller coaster continues for jacksonville
2: well i think i think what that game illustrated is something i've said a few times on this on the show this year is the problem with jacksonville's style is everything has to go a certain way for them to win a game like and that is any game basically and soon as i mean they're not going to win on offense as a functional nfl offense because they won't throw the ball so as soon as one of the other ones lets you down, so when special teams lets you down, you're going to lose the game. And that, I think we said that's why there's there's a low ceiling for the Jags this year because ultimately it's so much pressure to have to be perfect at those other elements that it's just not going to work week to week.
0: But they're, in, they're in Indianapolis this coming yeah. week. Uh, getting that game before, uh, before Andrew Luck gets back could be key to them. Although we don't know what happened on Monday Night Football yet. And maybe this is the point because we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars and I can give you a little roundup of the AFC South to take a little quick break and then get a bit of Monday Night Football thoughts.
1: Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. <laughs> Full terms apply. 18 plus only. Be I'm
0: just going to keep the Monday night football thoughts brief. Uh, I just had the chat with Neil Reynolds, which you've already heard on the podcast. Feeling it a little bit. So um, I'm just going to go through it very quickly. Tennessee Titans... 3-3 three and three now after a 36-22 win over the Indianapolis Colts. A much tighter game than it actually looked, thanks to a late long score from Derek Henry. Conversion as uh, time expired. 36-22 it finished. But, uh, you know, the, the Indianapolis Colts had a chance to very much get back into this game at 29-22. They had a 4th and 1 instead of running it up the gut with Frank Gore or Jacoby Preset, who let's not forget he's basically the same size as Cam Newton. He weighs about two or three kilos less than him, maybe a couple of inches shorter, but he's a tank of a quarterback. So could absolutely potentially run over that line. Um, but if you know, the Tennessee Titans run out winners, terrible challenge from Chuck McGarner which means he doesn't get enough timeouts. It means they're trying to force the fumble late on instead of trying to just play basic run defense. And that allows Henry to break off the big run. Um, Look, uh, the the Titans abandoned the kind of uh, uh, being too too exciting, too ridiculous. Mark Mariota played very much in the pocket, didn't run out, didn't do anything too silly, but actually was a really good pocket passer. Had the one huge completion uh, that kind of got them back into the game to targeting uh, Taylor to one the um, the rookie. Uh, the the, the kind of fourth quarter score one of the two fourth quarter scores that allowed them to pull away from the Indianapolis Colts and whilst the Colts there are a lot of positives from this performance Jacoby Brissett was brilliant Uh, 21 of 37 212 yards and a touchdown doesn't show how good he was but showed flashes of of real greatness came up a bit short late on in the game and you know Andrew Luck's going to be back in there surprised that Marlon Mack's not getting more run they went to Turbin they went to uh, Gore there wasn't a huge amount of Marlon Mack in the game game I kind of noticed but all in all you know these are two AFC South teams who have got flashes have got potential but I don't think are quite there at the moment and maybe when Mariota gets fully back healthy then the Titans have a chance to pull away in an AFC South which you know with three teams at three and three you can see just how average it is at the moment so maybe this was the best game the Titans could have possibly had right now they move on the Colts move on and we move on Right, three more late games, Sunday night football still for us to get to. Uh the Kansas City Chiefs, the champagne corks are popping in Miami as they lose 19-13 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I haven't actually managed to watch this game back yet. And I was watching it obviously as we were doing the show live, but I, the kind of my the assessment seemed to be that this wasn't not unlike the performance for the 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 Patriots at the Jets this wasn't a case of well we've got this unit which is the Philadelphia which is the Philadelphia the Pittsburgh offense which is misfiring and needs a chance to get healthy it wasn't a case that they had a brilliant game although Levy on Bell ran the ball brilliantly it just seemed that the Chiefs tried all of their usual scheming and tried all of their tricks and and just nothing seemed to be coming off
2: two things stood out to me in this game one, that the Steelers' defence, for all it comes undone against the Patriots because of zone, just doesn't work against Tom Brady. Zone does work against this Chiefs' offence because all the creative little handoffs and not knowing where the ball is, you've got defenders looking at the ball all the time. So I think it's tougher to play against zone in these instances. So that was one of the things that really stood out to me. And, and the other thing was, you've got an aging quarterback, you've got a great running back, it's not difficult. Hand the ball to the running back more often. Let Ben become, let Ben take a step back and just become a guy who can make the odd big completion on third down and and, and let this offense run through Le'Veon Bell. And I, I think that I think the Chiefs are a good matchup for the Steelers because of those reasons. But also, you would hope that the Steelers found a game plan that ultimately they can start to carry forward on offense.
0: This game was ludicrously similar to their playoff game in January ridiculously similar to the outcome of that one. I still think the Chiefs, I I think you're right, it's a matchup which doesn't suit the Chiefs. I still think the Chiefs are a very, very good football team and I still expect them to win both the AFC West and to go deeper in the playoffs than maybe they have in the last couple of years. But this is a big blip and it's going to have to be one that we pay a lot of attention to because in particular, they just couldn't... Run the ball at all, mm. Kareem Hunt. When you're seeing a zero on your fantasy score for Kareem Hunt through two and a half quarters, it's very confusing. No, it's so... and, and
2: they couldn't stop the run either. That's that's usually what a bad football team is. If you can run the ball or stop the run, that usually says a lot about your team. So, yeah, troubling, troubling game for the Chiefs without doubt.
1: Yeah, worrying as well because Ty- Tyreek Hill and someone else went out with a concussion and on a short week because uh, they play on Thursday. Um, you'd expect perhaps one or maybe both of those Char Kendrick west being the other one or both of those two to go out uh, and not be able to suit up because they might not get through the concussion protocol in a short week so um yeah the kansas city chiefs are not looking great indeed indeed shall we move on
2: always ho, 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 it's magic.
0: we promised you know. it would return <laughs> oh I was going to go with the long one sorry oh. i've ruined it uh this is the game where the Arizona Cardinals actually come out as the winners in this one, but Fitzmagic comes in for an injured Jameis Winston and puts on 27 fourth-quarter points to make this game look respectable. I'll tell you it's what the it was, though. A- Arizona Cardinals. Sorry. It was junk or garbage. No amalgamation of those two words. It was gunk. And I'm sorry I keep Cardinals, interrupting It you. makes me feel sick when you say that word. actually Yeah, but
1: like it was, yeah, but it was really gunky.
0: 38-33 to 33, the Arizona Cardinals and the three wise men in the desert no I've made that joke already damn it three old men doing what they did Carlson Palmer ran the offence with some real efficiency Adrian Peterson 26 carries 134 yards and two touchdowns including a stunning early drive and Larry Fitzgerald with 100 receptions for 100, 100 receptions
2: Jesus just what a
3: day ge- what a day he had it was a
2: career Day from Larry Fitzgerald Just, just what you thought His career couldn't get any
1: better He gets a hundred receptions He went for a thousand Yards It was unreal no, The
0: irony was he had a hundred receptions for just 200 yards just All these little dump offs and never got past The line of scrimmage oh, So gunky uh, oh, God. Ten receptions for 138 yards <laughs> and <What>? a touchdown, <laughs> as the old men in Arizona meant that this weekend at Twickenham, we might actually have a half decent game of football. Is that the mo- is, is that of everything I've said? There is that the most ridiculous thing I've said.
1: I wanna get hysterical. We don't get
2: great games in London anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so don't
0: be so negative I think it's going to be A really good game yeah. This weekend Between the Cardinals yeah, And the Rams I'm really excited About the matchup um,
2: is, will, is, it be, is it, will it be as impressive As Ollie's brief Acapella fits Magic? Uh, that was I- awesome uh, that was I, you hit that note beautifully,
1: Ollie. Well, I can get a few
0: notes. By the way, we are going for karaoke the first night we get to Houston. So I'm we're gonna not, be jet lagged ah. karaoke and Matt Sherry's not gonna be there. It's devastating news.
2: In, fa- in fairness, I will be spending that night in Tuscaloosa watching Alabama LSU, so I'm
0: fine. Boring. With that. Uh that's obviously not boring. <laughs> uh, I'm just annoyed I'm not there. Uh I'd much rather be listening to uh, Ollie Hunter banging out meatloaf for the for the year, uh... <laughs> <That, laughs>
2: And I will Trust be saying that.
0: <laughs> the anyway, so. um, the, uh, the big question here is, is this a one off explosion from Adrian Peterson or actually can he carry this on beyond this week against a better run defense in the uh, in the Rams next
1: weekend? And how concerned should we be about Tampa Bay? I think you'll find that if you listen back to the our preview podcast, when we found out that Adrian Peterson had gone to the Arizona Tadrian. Cardinals, we found out that Adrian Peterson had gone to the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> I said that Peterson was not done, and this He's would happen. And I, I, I said that Peterson... I didn't say any of that. I'm lying. I can't even. I can't even carry on my own falsehood. Uh, it, it's such a shock. I thought he would be done, but no. Matt Sherry, why did you? Why, why did you say he isn't done? He isn't. Well, we know why because he had a really good game.
2: No, I, I think I was. I mean, the proof that I knew he wasn't done is the fact I picked him in our fantasy league and started him this week. Like. I just think that that, that whole same situation from the, the style of their offence and the fact that they had two other younger running backs who ultimately were more suited to what they wanted to do was a terrible situation for them. Not, not
0: just that, but hey, guess what? Drew Brees likes to take passes from the shotgun. That doesn't yeah, exactly. work with the style That's of running back Adrian Peterson is. Give him someone who goes under centre, let him get up the head of steam, he's going to get you yards. It's so simple. It's just so simple.
1: Oh, it's so so frustrating.
0: So simple. Bloody Sean Payton. Two games left and two more ridiculous games to talk about, both involving AFC West teams. And let's start off with this. In a weekend of weirdness, ridiculousness and oddity, could anything be weirder than the Chargers winning a game they were losing in the fourth quarter? as Nick Novak kicks a 32-yard walk-off field goal with the final play of the game. That's what walk-off means. After a missed extra point from Giorgio Tovecchio means that the Chargers beat the Oakland Raiders 17-16. These two teams both fall to 2-4. and four. And we're going to talk about Sunday Night Football in a moment. The AFC West, from being what we thought was going to be the best division in football, has suddenly turned
2: into a garbage fire. It's, it's become a real mess. And, I mean... <laughs> the- do we think? Do we think that the Los Angeles Chargers could be on the verge of launching a playoff push?
0: I think that's a little on the ridiculous side,
2: <laughs> but I'm st- I'm just desperate to cling on to the belief that the still Dolphins, the,
0: the Dolphins, were two and four last season, and yeah, they went and they went on a playoff run.
2: The The reality is that even the games they've won have been pretty unconvincing. I mean, they just have to play in close games, but. I mean the storyline is, is the Raiders I mean I think we I think we both Oh Jesus
0: They've lost four On the bounce <laughs> <What> was <laughs> That, <laughs> that I tried was to, like that, that I was... tried
1: to be Really smooth about it Then and you ruined it I'm sorry It reminded me of That Sam Matterface uh, Clip From, <laughs> from uh, <laughs> the Clips one, of the week The one where he gets Hit by a ball as, Or it's or as it nearly he's Hit by a ball yeah. He goes Oh Jesus Jesus <laughs> Jesus <laughs> What's going on Sherry What happened there That was really funny
2: I, I, I put ESPN on Just to see the charges <laughs> Upcoming schedule, and then it was loud. It was so loud.
0: <laughs> uh, our manager, our boss, uh, spoke to me about our coverage on uh, Talksport 2 last night, which was a gridiron takeover. Me, Ollie, and Matt presenting the Five Until Nine show. Ollie Wilson with us as well, doing a fantastic job of doing the updates. And he mentioned uh, there was only one point in the entirety of the night that I really felt like I let the professional mask slip. Can you remember what it was, Ollie or Matt? no it was the moment where um the uh the jets and i think it was curly got that catch right down on the goal line and i literally while sherry was saying something went oh what a catch <laughs> yeah <laughs> like the fan in me just completely
1: exploded out boval loved it
0: oh great boval thought it was great
1: Oh, so therefore he would have loved me being totally unprofessional <laughs> for the entire four terrible. hours.
2: There was, o- there was only one moment you had the professional mask slim. I was thinking... What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm not Al Michaels, mate. Come on. So, Whoa! Look, the Ra- the Raiders are terrible. They're two and four. They've lost four on the bounce. Derek Carr didn't look good coming back off that injury. Uh, it's going to yeah. get
2: ugly as well because the fans are going to turn with the Las Vegas stuff. Somebody a spectre of that in the background.
0: Somebody actually sent us a Raiders question while we were doing the periscope earlier, but uh, I now can't get back on there to find it. So somebody did ask us simply, why are the Raiders slipping so badly? Um, and I think the because Jack there is. Del
2: Rio is the head coach, and we've been—I've been on this bandwagon <laughs> since last year. And the, the the decision to go for it on fourth and two in this game was an absolute disgrace. What bandwagon? Black Sorry, Jack Del Rio. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
1: It's a great piece of music. Right, last
0: game of the weekend. The New York Giants go to the Denver Broncos with (laughs) no wide receivers, (laughs) going up against the best pass defence in football, going against the best rush defence in football statistically with no recognisable running back. Orleans Darqua goes over 100 yards and they beat the Denver Broncos with one of the best home-field advantages in football in mile high, under the
1: lights, 23-10. What's going on? What's going on? I, but yeah, what, what is going on? It was a uh, weird, oh. <laughs> weird game to cap off a weird Sunday.
2: The theme of our broadcast at the 6 o'clock window yesterday was we don't know anything. (laughs) Like, that's what you (laughs) were learning every game in the NFL. And then that ludicrous Sunday just topped off by this result that... The fact that they not only beat them but beat them so comprehensively was just insanity.
0: There were a couple of uh, t- key things in the game. Uh, part of it, it, you saw the the two drives in the first half, which led to uh, which led to the the offensive. Uh, scores for uh, for the Giants, both long drives both methodical drives Eli Manning only threw for 128 yards on the night but he had Orlean Stark going 117 and, and when you look at these two 75 yard drive and an 80 plus yard drive Ben McAdoo handed the offensive play calling over to the offensive coordinator, Mike Sullivan. And you could see the difference in the guy who Eli has trusted for such a long time as his quarterback coach. There's just a chemistry there. They knew what they were doing. It all came together really nicely. And yes, the Broncos defence actually really sorted themselves out in the second half. Had a really good second half. We saw Adam Gotsis, now friend of the show, get his first sack. They got an interception. They, they, they were... Better, much, much better in the second half. Um, the interception touchdown, that was, uh, of course. And, and, oh no, no, the Giants got an interception touchdown, didn't they? I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm completely lost. But what, um, what was some... what's
2: going on with you?
0: Will? I'm so the, tired. The last
2: 20 minutes have been really. Me and Ollie are carrying this podcast.
0: Shall I just stop? You guys, I, I watched this game in full, live on the radio, and I can't even talk about what's
1: it. What's stark for me was. The two defenses, because the Giants' defense were unreal. Janoris Jenkins, Landon Collins, uh, you had JPP who had three sacks, and then conversely on the other side, the the uh, the Denver Broncos. Von Miller, I I said it about five minutes before Kevin Kugler said it on our coverage. We I'd forgotten he was even in the game, and then I I went and watched all of his uh, the subsequent subsequent plays. It's not like he was double-teamed. He was single-covered by either Eric Flowers or Bobby Hart or Justin Pugh or DJ Fluker, and single-covered, and Von Miller wasn't doing anything. He ended up with one tackle and one sack. But it's bizarre, bizarre that that happened, because Von Miller wasn't his usual self, and I think that's part of the reason why they could that, uh Um, The 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 Giants' run game got going, and Evan Ingram. That was the the, he had a great game. That was the least best. uh, That was the worst kept secret of in all of football that he would be getting most of the uh, most of the yardage and the receptions and the targets, and and uh, the Broncos couldn't do anything. It was a a, a weird, weird
0: game. And on the other side of the ball, you had for the the Giants' defense, you had Jason Pierre-Paul having a career day. Eli Apple. Had a brilliant rookie yeah. season in the slot, right? Then, then last week, Dominic Rogers Cromarty turns up and says, "I'm not playing anymore. I'm leaving." Walks out, gets suspended. Eli Apple, in his sophomore season, through five games, has been dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Then last night, he's forced to move from the slot to fill in for Dominic Rogers Cromarty, and he has an absolutely brilliant game. Janoris Jenkins actually didn't have a good game overall, gave up a horrible pass interference, which nearly let the Broncos back into the game. Demarius Thomas overall had a really good game against him. 100 plus yards receiving for the first time uh, this season, but he got the takeaway, He mm. returned it. That's all that that's kind of that kind of opportunistic defense that sometimes you get from that kind of corner where they're going to look to make the big play every time. And sometimes it costs you. But when they make the big play, it wins games. And that, yeah, was,
2: absolutely.
0: And that was the Giants and the Broncos. Well I, done, I, children. I can't, I can't believe it still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look it was a, a great game overall we had a great uh weekend uh, of football and obviously punctuated on monday by the or punctured even by the sad passing of kevin Cadle. Uh, we gave our thoughts on it at the beginning of the show we would love to hear from you at gridiron with your kind of favorite memories of big kev um there's another big week of football to come, though. We'll be back with another podcast later in the week. There's a Twickenham game coming. There's some really great matchups, um, And then we've still got to talk about Thursday night football very briefly. We've talked about these two teams already. But if the Chiefs needed a game to get themselves healthy after losing their O, they get to go to the Oakland Coliseum and face
1: the Raiders. And I think
2: it... the, the, Is the concern not that this is basically completely make or break for the Raiders' season? And that going against a desperate team who basically have to win to avoid going, will they go to two and four, two and five? Two, and five, two and five. I mean, they just cannot afford to drop to two and five, and, and s- not with a, a home loss against their biggest division rival on the schedule. So I think it's a desperate Auckland team, which combined with the fact that Tyreek Hill probably won't play, leads me to believe that maybe the the, the Raiders get out of that one with the win. Wow.
1: Well, the Chiefs also lost. Uh, Chris Conley, I think, for uh, for the season. That's from the game before. Um, and uh, Kevin Kugler said it, apologies to reference that again, but the Giants were a wounded animal. And the wounded animal will either do two of one things so it will just give up or it will fight. And I'm not so sure that Jack Del Rio can get his players to fight. And I am taking the Chiefs. And I think they'll bounce back with a big, big win here.
0: I am in Ollie's camp on this. Maybe not a big win, but a win nonetheless. Because I nothing like sitting on the fence. And Matt Sherry, it sounds like you're taking the Raiders.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take the Raiders. I'm, I'm a big believer in when teams backs against the wall, desperate. I think the Raiders have to win. And I think they'll sneak away.
0: There you go. Right, so thank you very much for tuning in. It has been the very definition of a mammoth show today, but for obvious reasons. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. We will be back later this week and we will have an exciting Thanksgiving announcement coming in the not too distant future. Do keep going Welcome. and checking out Ben, hopefully. Do keep going and checking out Ben Mortimer and Touchdown Trips. That's great work they do, and we're only a few weeks away from going away ourselves. Loads of great content will be coming from our trip, so cannot wait for that. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show.
1: Well, what about final thoughts?
0: <laughs> the podcast is an hour and a half.